Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I'm your host, Jacob O'Neill, and as always, I'm joined by my friends Cameron and hey. Bailey. Hey. And just as promised every other week, <laughs> here we go. Bailey, pray us in, man. Uh, God Almighty, first of all, we just ask that you would forgive us um, <laughs> for not being men of our word. Um, but in a more serious tone, God Almighty, we just love you and thank you um, for all the stuff that you've done in our lives. Thank you for, um, it's been so long since we last talked and shared with the um, rest of our family across the world um, what you've been doing in our lives here. Um, so Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray that um, the time we have today would just be time to unpack all of that and that every moment of it we'd be um, growing in our adoration for you and realize that you are the um, one who gave us the opportunities in the first place and who continues to give and to bless us um, every single day. So Lord, um, be with us in this conversation and I pray that you lift our eyes and the eyes of our brothers and sisters listening up to you as we talk today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Bailey. Yeah, so it's good to be back with you guys. <laughs> I've missed doing this. October was uh, we were we were in a coma for all of yeah. October. <laughs> I think it's the basically. opposite of being in a coma. I mean, we right. released no content, but it wasn't mm. because we were in a coma. It was because we yeah. were, had our hair on fire. Mm. Yeah, it's not because we weren't making content, <laughs> but it's we were living. <laughs> we were producing content <laughs> we were, that nobody captured. We were living the lives <laughs> that right. we had, that would feed the content. Our that days they were making now. So many things. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But it was fun. I, I'm so happy to see all 20 of you again. In fact, Larry, it's good to hear from you and to see you again. <laughs> so um, there were a couple of things that happened this month uh, that we'd love to update uh, people about and talk about. But one of them is probably uh, the most important, I would mm. probably say. Yeah. Um, people's eternal destinies are really important, too. Yeah. But this is really hits home for us and is personal to us. One of us had a baby. <laughs> Who is it? Who was <laughs> Grace had the baby, but Bailey did the hard work. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. a, that was a callback. Okay, yeah. you dog. <laughs> you had your baby. Yes. Yes. Why don't um, you talk about that? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Shepherd Mark, um, beautiful little boy. Um, I don't know. I, I have like a million things I could say about him. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it, like stuff that no one would want to hear. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, part where he's... A wailing, crying, like unsatisfiable um, baby who poops and fills my phone with pictures of his poop scattered across the room in different ways. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, art could be a thing in his future because <laughs> um, it's in his present. But, um, yeah, I've, I don't know. I have a ton of things to say. Um, yeah. I guess, like, the most, um, the thing that I would like to say the most is, um, um, the significance of like the birth, um, story. So, and then just to like get this out there, um, mm-hmm. cause I've told everyone who asked me the question, how does it feel to be a dad? Mm-hmm. Um, this has been my, um, somewhat quick way yeah. of trying to explain how that feels. So how does it feel to yeah. be a dad? <laughs> um, tired. So yes, it feels tired to be a dad. Um, I actually nap now, which is a thing that I've always hated, but now it's necessary for life to continue on. Mm. Um, but the, so every year for my birthday and I think for everyone's birthday in the world, um, 
you get tons of people who ask you the question, how does it feel to be 24? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel now that you're 20? Every single year. And I feel like each year that question gets, um, like, less and less funny, more and more just like, you know, why'd we even do, like, can mm-hmm. can you just mm-hmm. give me a high five? I'd yeah, rather yeah. have that for my It's the same <laughs> as yesterday, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like how it felt to be 23. Um, yeah. Like, basically only grandma and grandpa get to still ask me that question without me being like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the that experience, and everyone I've talked to has said the same thing, like, oh, yeah, I hate when people ask me that for my birthday. Um, I would describe as being, like, the most opposite to the experience of how does it feel to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the... So the birth itself, like, I've told you guys already, but um, there wasn't anything physical that I... Um, wasn't expecting that happened like um yeah so baby came out right there was blood and everything and baby goes on to grace's chest and we have a beautiful boy like all of that went as usual um but the i don't there was like a extremely spiritual mm. like ness to that moment or whatever um my dad told me about it actually like um so i've had before he was a Christian, multiple gospel conversations with him, just begging him to consider Jesus. And in one of those conversations, he told me about um, how he knew that there was a God or there was something, um, because when he saw me and my brothers born, he just knew that there was, like, something more going Uh. on. Like, there's no way that what's happening right now is just a product of like physical yeah like it's not what, that was not a chemical reaction yeah. like <laughs> mm-hmm. this isn't a humanly yeah. achievable thing like the mm-hmm. reception of my own child makes you realize very quickly i think that um it's a reception mm-hmm. and it's not a, this isn't my child that i've created like just in that moment um yeah it was um incredible and like beautiful just mm. He popped out, and I saw him physically, and the physical stuff wasn't surprising me. Um, but when I saw Shepard, my soul just, like, had this instant tie to him, mm-hmm. and I knew, like, that's my boy. Um, and it was funny, kind of like a weird thing, but um, Grace mentioned a couple days ago, like, isn't it weird? Like, I, I don't feel weird, like, cleaning him up and, you know, touching his pee-pee and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And I was like, no, it would be like super weird to think of that as weird Mm. like for me to clean him and Mm -hmm. you know touch his butt and all this stuff like if i thought that was a weird thing that would be the thought that's like outlandish because you just like Mm -hmm. feel like to my soul he truly is like my boy um so i don't know that just that thing for everyone Mm -hmm. who is going to have children in the future um like that's the thing to look forward to um, I think it's like one of the most, the closest experiences we get on this side of heaven to um, seeing God's like miracle of creation mm. is seeing your own child born. Um, I think that's probably mm-hmm. the closest we'll get to that before God actually shows us how he did it in heaven. Mm. If mm-hmm. he shows us. I hope so. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So baby's here. Yeah. His name is Shepherd mm-hmm. Mark Fagan. Very yeah. cool. How's... Um, uh, you guys adjusting to that. So that's kind of how it all feels. That's kind of the elated feeling of like, these, these are all the touchy feeling, you know, 
awesome feelings you have about seeing your own child born. How how has it been practically for you guys? How uh, how you guys been dealing? Um, good so far, especially for me. I mm-hmm. think, uh, like realistically speaking, it's really um, tough and draining for Grace. Um, and she like so watching the birth um, just made me like amazed that. Um, not in like a good way necessarily, but amazed that God reserves the pain of childbirth only for women. Mm. Like mm-hmm. seeing her go through that, um, I turned in my man card. I was like, okay, so women are way stronger <laughs> than men. You don't, we don't need to argue about it anymore. That's just, yeah. Um, so seeing that the pain of childbirth is reserved for women is just like mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And then even still now, like, um, with breastfeeding and just the natural like hormonal stuff and everything that's going on where grace is like so closely tied to his physical life remaining mm-hmm. healthy and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like her being the battery bank that he has to recharge from all the time is just crazy. Um, so for me, everything's totally good. I'm still <laughs> in that elated world. I'm like, um, my stresses and stuff are, figuring out how to let um how to practically get done all the other work of life that has always existed in life with also having a baby who is more important than everything else so like everything else is on this other shelf that's like Mm -hmm. a thousand shelves down but i have to find time and care about those things um so for me there's practical stuff like that um but um for grace it's been burdensome especially since her mom left um Mm -hmm. mama grace was with us for yes that's right three four weeks something like that um so the first two weeks of shep's life um grandma Cece was there taking care of him with us and we were doing like night shifts and everything um but yeah so it's been it's been crazy Mm -hmm. um for me not too draining physically or anything like that um i'm just learning how to um to like throw this all into one question or one thought, like um, the whole idea of is family supposed to truly be your first ministry or mm-hmm. like, does the Bible actually say family supposed to be your first ministry? That's been like on my mind constantly for the past um, since Shep has been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just been reeling with that question and trying to figure out how to calculate where my family um, like, the priority of that finally steps down enough to where I can start prioritizing other things. Um, so I don't, diving into that question has been right. really fun. And then we've coincidentally um, been writing an essay on uh, philosophy of past, pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and in writing that, I've been looking into um, that question, like where does family fit into? So like not just where does uh or how does the pastoral ministry look, but in the context of an entire, the pastor's life, like where do all the things fit? So <laughs> I've been seeing where that building block fits in, it's been really fun. Yeah. So um, the easy questions in life, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. Well, I mean, that's, gosh, I'm, you know, we laugh that it's, no, it's the easy questions well, in life, but yeah, and, go ahead. Um, if you want to steer somewhere else, uh, totally do. But also I think it'd be interesting to hear like, what your answers would be to like, is family supposed to be your first ministry or what does that practically look like? And yeah. Mm -hmm. 
because I haven't I haven't even asked you guys yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's your two people who are. That's hard. So, uh, scripture never says family is your first ministry, mm-hmm. and I think that's mm-hmm. one of the received things that we get from our uh, call it religious tradition. Um, right. There are certain things that I think are true and valuable, but we don't ever talk about where they come from or how the theology was built. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, you know, we tell our high school students no sex before marriage. Well, show me in the scriptures where sex before marriage is is forbidden or uh, mm-hmm. or uh, well, we got unwise or whatever. We got to clarify that. Like, so, yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah, it, it is. But most people don't know where to turn or how mm. the scripture even reasons that yeah. that uh, fornication, sex before marriage, uh, sex outside of marriage that those are um, right. that those are unacceptable things. But we mm-hmm. all just know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially me, I came up in in what they call sort of the purity culture. Of the late 1990s was mm-hmm. my was my high school experience. So I think this is another one of those things that you hear pastors and people in ministry always say: your family is your first ministry. Uh, scripture doesn't exactly doesn't say mm-hmm. those words anywhere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, I think it absolutely is your highest responsibility before God. And like we talked about it at church, I had the um, the pleasure of getting to preach last weekend at our church, and we talked about how humanity is is situated in creation in this really unique way. It's God, and then by his um, delegation, us, that add people to God's family, and that's it. So Mm. he created uh, humanity, completed humanity in Adam and Eve, and then told them to be fruitful and multiply in order to add more people to God's family, and we're the only ones who can do that. And so I think God gives us an excellent example of how he cares how, how children are supposed to be cared for by their perfect father, and there's plenty of scripture and plenty of proverbs to extract the principle that your family, the one that God has trusted you with, is your highest priority. You can call it your first ministry. I'm happy to do that. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense, but it, it may almost... Um, uh, it's almost not as heavy. Like when you say your family's your first ministry, that's almost not as heavy as it ought to be. Mm. Mm. And it's something I got wrong for a long time and still struggle struggle with now. It, it's, as guys, as men, it's hard for us to know how to do that because um, having our family as our highest earthly priority, like caring for and sacrificing for and loving our family in the way that Jesus loved the church, that's what you've been called to. And that's mm-hmm. impossible. Like, think about it for just two minutes. It's the craziest thing you can imagine. Right. Um, and I've been bad at it. I was especially bad at it in California. I just had so many things to do. I remember there was one time um, I was ignoring my family. I was sitting on the couch, and they're all doing something else. And I'm texting with one of the young adults from Rise. I don't remember who it was. I don't think it was one of you guys. It might have been. But someone was having some kind of crisis. And I was texting, and Whitney's my Whitney, my wife. Whitney's like, uh, can you just be here, please? Like, your kids are here. We are here. Can you mm-hmm. please be present with us? Mm. And I almost said, and praise God that he uh, shut my foolish mouth, almost said, no, I have to do this. Mm. Like, your girls are playing in the other room. I know, but I have to do this. And I went, whoa. Okay. Like, time mm. out. Um, so learning how to do that, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's a lifelong process, but it doesn't happen on its own. Um, you have to make time. You have to prioritize. You have to capture and protect and defend your schedule with your with your kid or your kids against other things and you know the way it's going for us i'll just so our middle child celia she's wonderful anyone Mm -hmm. who knows celia she is 
the easiest kid in the world to fall in love with. Yeah. She's mm. wonderful. She's awesome. She's an absolute handful. She doesn't listen. She has her own ideas about how things are going to go. Mm-hmm. She is uh, the stubbornest kid you'll you'll mm-hmm. ever meet. Mm-hmm. She's just going to do it her way. Even when she plays her games with you guys, right? The the, the oh, theme yeah. of the game always is <laughs> yes. is omnipotent, and you guys are fighting, right? Yeah. And she wants to tell you about the, oh no, I have this power, yeah. and these are my powers. That's right? right. And her powers are always just indefeasible, and mm-hmm. she just tells you guys what to do. Right. Her favorite attack is unstoppable sword or <laughs> yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, and yeah. I'm like, okay, unstoppable yeah. shield, and no, she has an invincible work. shield, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so in the mornings, it's tough because she takes her time. Like, we go and see you. Please get dressed. And she's literally dancing and singing in front of the mirror. We're like, put your clothes on. She's like, I am. I'm like, you literally are not like, ah, put your clothes on. Eat your food. And so I was talking with Whitney. I was like, I don't want our – because the mornings are, are stressful because Chirsten, our oldest, she's um, – sort of responsible and calm and so she's up early and she does all of her things and she knows what time she has to leave the house and she's done and ready like with her shoes on and bows Mm -hmm. in her hair and ready to walk out meanwhile we're like dragging celia through mordor or whatever to try and get her out the door and almost every morning they leave they leave late so they can't take the bus to school they have to walk and poor cheery she's like i've been i was ready i was waiting everything is done she did she like will pack celia's backpack and stuff like i've done everything i can do to make this work and Celia just, whatever time she has to be out the door, she's going to yeah. be out six minutes later, right? So all of that was in service of saying. So Winnie and I were talking about just exactly this thing. And I said, I don't want every morning when Celia leaves the house for like 90% of our interaction to have been us being frustrated with her because she's not doing the right things. She's not putting mm. her socks on. She's not brushing her teeth. She's not you know, putting her clothes in the hamper. She's not getting dressed. And it's true. Every morning she's not doing those things and she needs to be. Okay, so how is it that we have a relationship with our child so she knows I love her and that the context of our relationship is not we're frustrated, frustrated, frustrated and can't wait to get her out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, scripture definitely gives us wisdom and insight about how to deal with those kinds of things. It gives us principles so that we can be wise in dealing with those things, but not that exact problem, right? It's not in the Proverbs, like, if you have one uh, responsible <laughs> child and one stubborn child who just won't do her stuff, uh, here's, how you, here's how you handle that situation. And so those kinds of things come up and you learn. It's, hard, it's tough because you, you're learning on the job mm-hmm. and you have the potential to destroy your child. Mm-hmm. Like... You can't, it, you, that just can't, you can't overstate that possibility. Mm-hmm. And it's a, that's a life that God has, tr- has entrusted to you. And that psyche, that life, that person who is, who is, uh, eternal, right? It's an eternal soul, an immortal soul. Mm-hmm. And you as parents have the opportunity to destroy, think of all the ways you were destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. As, as you're getting older and sort of differentiating your existence from your family's existence and who am I and, and kind of becoming uh, like a self, <laughs> yeah. you know, like an independent self. And any of the ways that your parents messed you up, uh, you know, I can think of the ways my parents messed me up and we've, I think we've talked about most of them. Um, but it's like, Oh man. Okay. So I know how much they love me. Like I know how much I love my kids and there is, it's indescribable. And then I'm going, oh, my gosh, and I'm messing them up every day. Like, no matter – like, that's how much my parents love me. And they, they, uh, you know, did they, – they, they did some damn some – damn, sure. make them sound – but, like, yeah. parents were, make mistakes. They were way imperfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. There were some doozies uh, where, like, whoa. I go, oh, my gosh, they loved me as much mm-hmm. as I love my kids. So it can't be – I'm going to be – I'm going to be – 
a perfect parent because I love them more, right? Anyway, so mm-hmm. sure. so I guess this isn't the point of the podcast is not a parenting thing, but so what? Yeah. So now that I have kids though that are you know two and six and nine, what do you learn? All of those things you learn you learn how to prioritize and you do it wrong and you have to try and make up for it and you uh, I I would just say I know you didn't specifically ask me for advice but I think that one Can of the I things for advice? <laughs> one of the things God's showing me. And then it's just becoming clear and clearer to me is that like humility is the mm-hmm. foundation of everything. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the foundation of everything. So never be, never be too proud to apologize to your kids for a dumb thing or never. I mean, cause that grows into being so proud that you don't think you did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's bad. People definitely mm-hmm. become that way. And that's an awful way to grow up as a kid. So never, it can never be beyond you to like apologize to your children or to your wife or to your friends. Um, yeah, I'll say that yeah. humility is the is is the foundation of all. It's the foundation of everything. Like if you want to live well, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Fear God, right? Which is uh, which is like a humility is a component of that. Like be humble and and trust God. And then the priority stuff, it doesn't happen on its own. You have mm-hmm. to make it happen. And uh, and your family has to say so your family comes first is too simple your family is your highest priority they don't always come first sometimes there are things you do because your, your family is doing fine and you have other things that you need to attend to and take care of um but your family has to they're your most important say ministry like that's who you serve first like you serve god in serving them first mm-hmm. and making sure they're healthy because if they're not healthy and you're working on bringing health to this other thing that's that's like me saying, yeah. no, I can't spend time with my children because I have to repair this crisis with, mm. you know, with someone in my ministry. Right. And just to add in my two cents as well, mm. uh, even though I don't have kids yet, uh, being married, um, uh, uh, going to speak to like the whole like, you know, family being your first ministry, if you want to call it that, or just where does that fall in it? Uh, the lessons that being married has taught me and that having kids will teach me and that having kids just teaches someone in general about what it means to be like a pastor to what it would mean to actually lead the, you know, other sheep (laughs) as a sheep leading other sheep, telling them what the shepherd is like, um, are just invaluable. So think about what family is. Family is two sinners get married. So now we've got two sinners who have said, we're going to spend every day of our lives, you know, together and I'm, we're not going to go be sinners with someone else. And then those sinners make more sinners. And now you've got a bunch of little tiny sinners running around and it, it just teaches you, uh, the heart of Christ, like towards us. And I have had to learn, uh, how to do that better. And my wife's had to learn how to do that better. Like, you know, uh, I, think about it, you know, I love Marissa so much and I know she loves me, but there's just times where we just like look at each other and be like, yeah, you, you are just a sinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're a sinner. Like, I, like, I, I just don't know how, there's no nice way to say it. She calls <laughs> like, me. She's like, Jacob is a this, sinner. I'm yeah. Like, I told you, <laughs> like, I told you before you married him. Don't do it. He's a sinner. <laughs> like you're a sinner. Like you, uh, you can be selfish and prideful and rude and, and, and give me the silent treatment sometimes. I'm not going to, that goes both ways all the time. <laughs> not, that's not one way at all. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like, 
uh, with that, that, that kind of stuff just gets multiplied once you have kids in the picture. Now you have a tiny baby who is literally helpless. So not only are they a fallen son or daughter of Adam, <laughs> now they are completely helpless. They, they depend completely on you for, to sustain their existence. And that requires just so much discipline, humility, and it teaches you the heart of Christ. I mean, because think about our relationship with Christ as his bride, right? Who's the crazy one in that relationship, Mm -hmm. right? That definitely goes only one way. And he's faithful to us and perfectly humble with us. Uh, We have to practice doing that with our spouses. We have to practice doing that with our children. Um, And that is what prepares us for um, doing pastoral ministry. You've already done that Mm -hmm. sometime in the future for us. Um, It teaches you that. Because one of the things that I've been... uh, posting on social media about and, and talking about with lots of people is uh, like what it really means to like love someone like that agape self-sacrificial love. Uh, Christ and Christ asks us to, to literally love the people who are unlovable, mm-hmm. like by any reasonable standard. Mm-hmm. Well, like, well, what if they are X sinner? Like you are literally supposed to love the people who have done nothing for you, who have only caused inconvenience and pain and suffering in your life. And Christ says you need to love them Mm. and forgive them and reach out to them. That's what Christ did. Mm. Christ reached out to tax collectors and sinners. And when Peter denied him to his face three times, Christ looks at him and Peter knows that he's messed up and goes and weeps bitterly. And Christ immediately accepts him back and Mm. restores him. So whenever we let Jesus down over and over and over and over again, Christ is still gentle and caring and humble with us. And there's there are very, very, very few things in life that can teach you how to be more like that than marriage and having children. Um, and so uh, those are my two cents about it. So is family your first ministry? I don't know if I'd use those words. But it's pretty darn close, and Scripture has enough to say to future pastors and current pastors about how you need to like represent Jesus in a sense to your wife and your and your mm-hmm. kids. Um, and so, yeah. And I mean, I'm excited for that. As someone who doesn't have kids yet, like I'm really excited to take that step. Um, but it's, uh, I, I tell you, if you're not married, like go get married, like go find a, <laughs> go find a Christian woman and go find a Christian man and just be like, hey, let's do this thing. So. Um, that's what I did. Then I play guitar. So, uh, and that's the opposite of advice I have always given, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't get married. Don't do it. Well, it's hard. And that's who actually, thank you so much for bringing that up. So I was asked one time to like talk to some youth group students here in Norway about, uh, Bynum Mercer's relationship, like leading up to marriage. Mm. And, um, when I was a kid, and pastors would talk to me about that. They would talk actually a lot about sexual purity. Mm-hmm. That was mostly what they talked about. Um, and I get that. And I think that's super important. Absolutely. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was, no, 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 humility and commitment. Mm-hmm. When you marry, like, uh, I feel like one of the dangers, I learned this from Pastor Arnold, actually, a good friend of ours uh, back in California. Um he was, you know, he was talking about how, like, when kids in high school and middle school get girlfriends and boyfriends, and what they're practicing is breaking mm-hmm. up over and over and over again. Well, okay, well, I broke up with, I dated someone for seven months. Okay, fine, I'll just go get together with someone else. Mm-hmm. And they practice playing with these emotions. It's literally like playing with fire. When mm-hmm. Proverbs says, "Can a man sco- uh, scoop up hot coals on his lap and not burn himself?" Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Uh, that's uh, part of it. And so, uh, marriage 
And when you choose someone who you want to pursue in marriage, what I wanted to talk to them about was commitment. Are you willing to commit to this person when they completely sin against you in an unreasonable, wild way when they, I don't know, whatever, if they slap you across the face and run out the front door, Mm. but you're married? Mm. That's not a divorce right there. That's not a biblical divorce, at least. Are you prepared to commit yourself to this person anyways? even when they are just completely broken and completely sinful. And they have to commit the same thing to you. It's a big decision, mm-hmm. and it's something worth talking about. And I wish someone talked about that more with uh, with youth students. And um, <laughs> Well, that's yeah. my whole point, right? So when I right. t- talk people out of marriage, it's not marriage is wonderful, absolutely, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. should do it. I think my perspective is we don't talk enough about people who are not called to marriage, and so we don't want... Like, not everyone's called to that. And Paul speaks specifically to that, and some people are called to singleness. And that there is beauty in being married to Jesus, to to put it a certain way, right? Sure. That's a beautiful, wonderful thing, and I think the church hasn't done enough to um, acknowledge and nurture that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, marriage is a wonderful and beautiful thing instituted by God Almighty. Like, it's, yes, participate in that. So I don't mean to say, like, I'm trying to persuade people to be single that not at all Mm -hmm. just that like jesus said he's like count the cost listen you're gonna have to take up your cross and follow me Mm -hmm. but before you do that count the cost because uh you can't follow me unless uh, unless you give me everything like everything is mine so count the cost before we get married and Mm -hmm. and in american culture i don't know so much about norwegian culture but in, in american culture i think we take it take the responsibility in the relationship too lightly. Instead, right. we practice breaking up. We have things like a starter marriage or mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's, uh, well, yeah, there's lots to say yeah. about the um, sort of temporary nature of, of American marriages. But it shows us something about the gospel. Like having kids shows you one dimension of the gospel, like God right. is father. You know, I've told you the story about me sitting down to Celia going, I want to give you everything you want and bless you. You just have to listen to me for your own good. <laughs> and God's like, oh, yeah, is that frustrating? Uh, yeah. <laughs> stupid. Exactly. Stupid me. Right. But then being married, it's like you understand why God's people are frequently referred to as an, like an unfaithful spouse. Yeah. And you go read Hosea. And right. Like, this is what Jesus is like for you. Like it's what God mm-hmm. calls Hosea to with, uh, with his wife, Gomer, mm-hmm. like go read Hosea and go, okay, this is what, this is what you're signing up for. Mm-hmm. No judgment on the person you chose as a spouse, right? I'm not saying right. your spouse may be a Gomer. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying though, is like, this is what God demands. This is how yeah. he loves us. And, he reflects that aspect of his relationship with us is what is mirrored in marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. So take it seriously. Count the cost. Same thing being pastors. Right. Like I, I, I talk to young men about being pastors, same kind of thing. Like I try and dissuade them, mm-hmm. not because I don't think there should be pastors. God's church needs pastors. That's why we're in Norway mm-hmm. um, is because God's church needs pastors and we want to help to identify and equip those, those people to do that. Um, but the point is, like count the cost. Mm-hmm. You stand before God someday, and you're and you're judged uh, to a special degree, and you're responsible for every careless word you said. And you're about to mm-hmm. stand in front of people, yeah, and then purport to speak on God's behalf, yeah. Or people are going to trust you, and you're going to lead them as they live lives, and you're going to say, "Listen, if you if we relate to each other in a certain way." I can help you to lead a, a life that is more pleasing and honorable to God. It's like, ooh, you're responsible for that. It's not, it, it's not, I don't know. 
it's it's heavier. So it's it's heavier. I think Jesus did the same thing when he mm. when uh, um, uh, they ask him about divorce, and he's like, "Did you read your scriptures?" And he goes, "Listen, listen, listen. You've heard it said, don't murder, but I say, right? If you've had if you've hated your brother in your heart, you're a murderer already." Um, Jesus is going, you're, you're missing the point that he, Jesus is not saying, no, 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 don't murder. That's, that's not what's go like, he's not saying that's mm-hmm. ignore that law. I have a new one for you. Mm, yeah. What he's saying is you're missing the point. It's so much deeper and heavier than that. I think that's true about getting married. I think it's true about being, becoming a pastor. It's like, or having a, is my family, my first ministry? Yes. But it's so much heavier and deeper than that. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's as heavy as like saying, well, I've never murdered anybody. My family is my first ministry. Okay. Like let's talk about yeah. what it really means. It's a sacrificial thing that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And it's, um, it's a lot. And we're, and here's the thing. We're sinful guys. Like I blow it. Ask Absolutely. My, ask my wife. I blow it on the daily. I do a bad, mm-hmm. a bad job. And I, I try to be better. And I want my girls to know that Jesus loves them more than I do. And I love them at like as much as, as much as any mm-hmm. person can love any other person. Um, and I blow it all, I blow it all the time. And so that's heavy, right? So yeah, I don't know how to sort of get back around to where the conversation was going, but, um, well, I think um, we went to exactly where I wanted to go with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Um, I have a couple more cents to contribute mm-hmm. to the conversation. Um, there, okay. So there's two like family things and then, um, that those two will kind of steer us into a conversation that's more relevant to us actually being in Norway and mm-hmm. being, you know, Christians in Norway. Um, but one like quick thing before I get to those, um, I want to say like, I appreciate how you um, have always, like every time I've heard you talk about marriage or having kids with anyone with me, absolutely every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, even as I was, putting the ring on grace like you were in the background screaming don't do like nope Um, get up stand up get off that knee um like you always have those conversations with the young men and women who come into your care as a pastor as like your initial thing is nope don't do it don't do marriage um but the reason isn't at all like you said um because marriage isn't a wonderful thing um or something that we ought not do um but like I think you really um, do well to, like, um, understand who your audience is. And especially with, since you've been a young adults guy for um, your ministry, like, heavily you've been focused on young adults. Um, We have, like, a culture, and I think a lot of us have this mindset of um, being optimistic towards people. So, like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, Steve and Louise, like, they are so awesome together. They'll be Mm -hmm. great, like... Yeah. yeah, look how cute they are. They go out on dates all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they look really cute together. They'll be awesome. They should totally get married tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like that tends to be our um, view. But like you as a pastor have to step in with like reality and like the thing you were talking about, Jake. Mm-hmm. You're the thing you guys are talking about is two sinners signing <laughs> up to be committed to each other. Mm-hmm. So like slow down. Like let me stop pump the brakes uh, super hard yeah. right now by telling you don't do it. And now that I have your attention, like, here's why you need to think about this before you go and do it. So mm-hmm. um, I really appreciate that. But also, I have the same heart that Jake has. <laughs> and on one side, I say, like, I really appreciate your um, caution as a pastor that you give to people mm-hmm. with that. 
I also, my advice to people doesn't sound like that. Though. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> Everyone I've told about um, Shepard, I'm like, have a baby tomorrow. Literally, yeah. you're wasting your life. Have a baby right now. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, they're just mm-hmm. the only joy and um, sense of purpose and significance mm-hmm. in life that exceeds it is um, relationship with God. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, so knowing Jesus is the only thing that exceeds it. Everything else is far under that. But then far under that, um, or far under that is baby, and then far under baby is everything else. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's awesome. Um, the other two things were um, some insights that I've, like, read about. Um, oh, yeah, that one. was just the first thing. <laughs> and <that> we, <laughs> Okay, anyways. <laughs> these, are the, these are the actually relevant ones. Um, so one thing was asking Zach that question. Mm. Um, he gave me, like, a really valuable practical um bit of advice which was um which he wasn't zach's really humble so he mm-hmm. wasn't giving it as advice he was just yeah. saying like well here's how i do it mm-hmm. um so if there's something you can learn in that then like sure but i don't i don't think i have anything to teach you yeah um but he has two sons who have grown up um do you know i think most of their life has been in norway especially for daniel right yeah mm-hmm. um so they've grown up with parents as missionaries. Um, um, oh, an interesting thing to like set the context. We went to um, a camp with various IMB missionaries a few months ago, and I got to be in a small group with the um, high schoolers mm. of those parents. Um, and I asked those students, do you consider yourselves missionaries? Um and for most of them, it was like a kind of a, you know, woof kind of question. They were mm-hmm. like, oh, um, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, technically, mm-hmm. like my parents are missionaries. So I guess I've inherited the mission mm-hmm. um, is something like what most of their thoughts were. Um, but we got to actually consider that question. Um, and Zach's uh, advice to me was um, just telling me about how he's included Daniel and William in his ministry. Mm. Um, and that's kind of similar to the other things. So I've read, um, one author talks about, um, how he thinks in that whole equation that we work out, our priorities ought to be God, family, church, everything Mm -hmm. else. Um, he said, I, I don't know. He said there was a study or something where most pastors like answered that exact thing, Mm -hmm. um, when asked that question. Um, but his proposal was basically that, um, family and church should be just melded into one thing Mm -hmm. and we should stop considering them different, um, pegs on that pole. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then especially for missional community, like the thing that we've had like little bits of, um, taste of, especially with skeptics week teaser. Um, (laughs) um, yeah. So just the style of planting a church that we're so looking forward to and like eager to really, um, um, I don't know, just finally be in, mm-hmm. um, I think really embraces that view of, um, kind of like Zach and like this author, um, both were saying to eliminate the separation between church and family mm-hmm. and understand that your family needs to be practically like you're going to be taking care of their needs more, but, to 
come to the point where we actually look at our church family as family. Mm-hmm. Um, and where Celia having a toothache bugs me and as much as is as much a priority mm-hmm. um, in my mind, maybe not in my actual practices, mm-hmm. like um, as it is if Shepherd has a toothache. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm at the point where even if I'm not the one taking her to the dentist because she has a toothache, like I'm calling Cam every day and being like, have you taken your daughter to the <laughs> dentist? Because I'm going to do it and I'll pay for it and everything. Mm-hmm. Like just that's how our church is ought to be. And um, yeah, so to finish like Zach's advice was, Basically, um, in his missionary work, how um, he's just made that normal life for the boys. Mm -hmm. So for him, he uh, was telling me how he still has separation in his mind where Mm -hmm. he looks at church stuff as, okay, this is ministry work. And he looks at family stuff as this is family time. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the boys, um, how he would guess that their minds don't really have that separation Mm -hmm. and they just kind of... They're used to, for the doves specifically, um, they had an, an open door policy uh, when they lived in Sondefjord. So they had their church members just cycling through their mm-hmm. house whenever. Like they tell us stories all the time of how they would come home and find someone on their couch drinking a cup of tea, watching mm-hmm. TV, and they invite themselves into that environment mm-hmm. where someone's in their own home. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that's like crazy and awesome to hear about. Um, but the thought of like, uh, your kids being raised in that environment, yeah. um, I think is so awesome. And like, it's a, this thing that always bugs us of like, um, like your big, uh, drive with young adults ministry is you see how people go to college and they go away from God. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be in youth ministry, um, their whole life growing up in, um, grade school, but they go to college and they leave God. Mm. Um, but the, the place where we can step in and fix that sooner is if our, um, yeah, just our lines between church and family become yeah. non-existent. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I think, uh, I think that's just going to about do it for today, unless uh, you had anything else you wanted to say. I mean, the topic of how to be a virtuous Christian husband and father mm-hmm. is endless. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we have all of eternity to explore it. So, and... <clears throat> It's not sort of the primary focus of, <laughs> of our <laughs> podcast anyway, so I hope that uh, now yeah. my sage wisdom <laughs> has helped like my dad and Jacob's parents to be better parents mm-hmm. now. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> wow, okay. But, uh, no. Uh, and Bailey's parents. <laughs> well, it's, but I think, well, like, I'd love to hear you just even um, dive into that idea i know like we're not there yet we're not in the missional yeah. community style church um but just the idea of like church and family becoming the same thing mm-hmm. instead of words for different groups of people yeah i mean I, th- I think there's um there is at least a logical separation but we should have relational closeness such that our church is is our family right so i i think we're we're approximating it here. I mean, think of the way my girls think of you guys. I mean, mm. so the the way we accomplished it was we stripped them of all of their natural family, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? All of their natural family lives in the same house with them. There's no uh, family beyond the house. So you guys became their family. Like when Shepard was born, that's Shepard. He's our cousin. Mm. That's what the girls know of your of your boy. Yeah. And 
and they see each of you as um, as just their family. So it's not weird for you to be around. Mm-hmm. They want to know how you're doing. Like they text you on their iPads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and they have an important relationship with each of you. And I think that I've got a lot to say, but I'll say just this. I, I am more and more persuaded that one of the main reasons that we lose, that uh, that people walk away from God when they graduate from high school. Norway has the same problem, by the way. Mm. I think it's because they don't have the sense that they're a part of God's family. And so not being a part of a church is... Like just that's just okay. Like church was a, was an attachment to their life that they just don't mm-hmm. have anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is, I think that's tragic. It breaks my heart to think mm-hmm. of it that way, but I think that's really true. I think that when our youngsters, like when they're finally grown enough to leave our home and to leave their school and strike out on their own, that they should feel it should be really naked and strange to not be a part of a church community mm-hmm. it'd be it should feel like living on a desert island you know mm-hmm. and be like no one well, maybe whitney gets to a desert island and is like this is what i've been longing for but that's like that, the reason that that's a compelling story the reason that's a foundation of so many of so much uh so many like stories the the guy or the castaway or the whatever alone on an on an island by himself is because we all know that that's not natural. That's not how things should be. What are we doing? Like the whole plot of Gilligan's Island. That's probably way too old mm-hmm. for you guys. But Gilligan's like, that? It's like we got to get back to people. We got to get back to civilization and society and, uh, and you know, cast away and one guy alone by himself. Like we got to get back to the other people. So I think that if you leave your church and your family – when you go to school, it should you it would be it should be natural to feel like a castaway. Mm. Like I've got to get reconnected to my family, and I think maybe the way we've been doing church has really helped to contribute to that to that thing. You don't you don't feel alienated. You don't feel isolated. You just feel like okay, well that's just an activity I don't do anymore. It's like quitting little league or something. Actually, for mm. a lot of people, quitting little league is like losing a part of themselves. Mm. But it's like okay, there's just this activity that was part of my parents life that's not really a part of my life anymore and it didn't doesn't cost me anything it doesn't make me feel weird well i think that that's tied up in exactly what you were talking about how is it that we make family ministry church mm-hmm. how do we blur those boundaries because they're all um they all should be a part of the same thing i don't know right. how to, i don't know how to say it because there is yeah. a logical separation right it's like if it mm-hmm. there there's a in principle, there's a point in which you have to leave my house, but my children get to stay. You know what I mean? Like right. there, there is that possible moment. So there is a yeah. division between my children and and you guys, even though we consider ourselves family. But I think done well and done healthily, those lines are blurry. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if Jacob and Motown left, they'd be like, wait, my kids would be like, wait, what? They what? They, you can't leave. your. What do you mm-hmm. mean they left? Mm. You don't leave. What are you talking about? And then... Uh, the next step is when your fam- when your church family is able to leave, split in a healthy way, which is almost like sending the kids to start their own family, mm-hmm. right? It always, it always hurts. Ask your parents what it's like. Mm-hmm. It hurts when your kids are grown up enough to leave and start their own family, but that was always the point, and you're mm-hmm. connected in an indelible way. But now they, uh, that part of your family is able to now sort of produce produce their own and that's how generations work so i think yeah i think you're right the more that church reflects an actual familiar relationship i think uh, i think the better 
And I think, you know, as we sort of philosophize and think about it, and we're going to stub our toes and break our teeth and get, get things wrong, but as we strike out and plant on our own, um, I think we're wise to consider the ways in which the, the typical template, the way we're used to doing church or going to church or being church or whatever, like our faith experience that um, that has become normal for us, like the ways that that template works against the thing that we're talking about and figure out how to get rid of the things, you know, to shed those um, religious appendages <laughs> and get rid of the, the things that actually make it harder for us to be family. Because I think that's what's tragic. I mean, if Cheery gets done with high school or sort of Norwegian equivalent and she's ready to go to university and she wants to leave and go somewhere else. Like I, it needs, it needs to be weird for her not to be attached to the family of God. Mm. And yeah, I, I won't say anymore. You guys understand what right. I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of feels like we just explained in this whole episode, just the genius in my mind of why God made family and then the church mm, in the first yeah. place. Yep. It's really just the genius of it because when it works, when, the people in a marriage are self-sacrificial for each other and love each other the way that Jesus loves us when the church is a community like that and a family. And I think you're right. I think a better, uh, not a better because you didn't really give an analogy, but a good analogy would be like the Northern Lights Mm. and how they are intertwined. And there's a logical distinction. You can see the different colors, right? Mm. But they're like intertwined with each other. It's kind of blurry how they how are they dancing with each other and are intertwined with each other? That's an old analogy for the Trinity. I think it's a better one for church life and family and evangelism. Mm-hmm. Like, how does this work out? How am I a missionary? And my and now my kids are automatically missionaries. And how are my family with my wife and my children, but also I'm family with my church in a mm-hmm. sense? Like, how does that? And then we're evangelists together. How does that? How does that work? How does it intertwine? Uh, it's genius because when it works mm-hmm. right. People get saved, lives get changed, people stay in the church, people join the church, and then people get sent out to go make more Christians. And so that's the genius of family, the genius of church, that's the genius of children and evangelism and all that stuff. So that was really fun. We had like three or four things we could have talked about today, but I'm glad we just (laughs) talked about this. So we love you guys. We love you, Larry. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you again in two weeks for sure. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless. God bless.